Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn to Joshua chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians 12. That's a little, little humor for you. Nobody. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. There we go. Thank you for the courtesy laugh, even if you still don't get it. Anyways, now that I've started that out terribly... Today we're continuing our series called Fearless. Uh, we started last week. It was great. Heard so many good things about what God's doing in the fearless groups. So if you haven't joined up in a group, you can still sign up this week and you'll be able to discuss and go through what it is that God's doing in your heart and how you can overcome fear. Because this is what I know is that every single one of us deals with fear in some area. Uh, for me, it's many areas. So uh, I definitely benefit from being a part of a group that I host in my own home and being able to talk through and gain wisdom from other people and encouragement from them because we don't want to be held back from anything that God has for us because of fear in our lives. And that's exactly what fear does is it holds you back. But God created you to live fearless and that's the hope that we are. I love how A.W. Tozer said that a scared world needs a fearless church. And so we need to become the fearless church because we live in a scary time, but we need to be those who can proclaim the hope and the peace and the joy of Jesus and that there's freedom from fear. So this week we're talking about the fear of failure. And who here has ever failed at something? Anything at all? Those of you without your hands up, you have failed to tell the truth, so you now can have some fear of failure along with the rest of us. Now failure is a guarantee in life. It's just a part of it because we're flawed people, we have weaknesses, we have inadequacies, we make mistakes. We are going to be a people who fail, but failure doesn't have to become something that defines you, and failure doesn't have to become something that you are afraid of. In fact, often what you see is that the most successful people are some of those who have failed the most in their life. Yeah. Thomas Edison who uh, we're able to have a service in here because of Thomas Edison and his work at developing the light bulb. We all benefit greatly from that. It's revolutionized the way that the world lives through the light bulb. But it took him over 10,000 attempts before he created a light bulb that actually worked. Now, after he told the story about how it was over 10,000 attempts to create the light bulb, a reporter asked him and said, didn't you feel like a failure? Don't you feel like maybe you're more defined by failure than by success because you failed 10,000 times before you created a light bulb? And Thomas Edison said this, I have not failed. I have just discovered 10,000 ways that will not work. <laughs> Dude, was a genius, wasn't he? I love this. Michael Jordan, who is arguably the greatest basketball player that ever lived, I couldn't stand him because he was what kept the Pistons from winning more championships. And, uh, you know, we know him because he had his six rings, the MVPs, the sponsorships, all the accolades of maybe being the greatest athlete alive at the time. But he said this when he was asked about his greatness. He said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take a game-winning shot and missed. I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. That what, made what made Thomas Edison and Michael Jordan great wasn't that they never failed. They failed greatly. But it was that they never let failure define who they were. They never let failure keep them from continuing to attempt to achieve greatness. They used their failures to propel them and as learning experiences that enabled them to achieve truly great things. 
Uh, every one of us, we have a sense of calling in our life. We know that God created us to good works in Christ Jesus. There's dreams that he's deposited inside of your heart of the things that you can do to affect the world that's around us. Now, I'm not talking about American dream type things. Like, God did not create you to have a home with a white picket fence, two and a half kids. I don't know how you get the half one. Uh, he didn't create you to have two cars, a mortgage, credit card debt, all of these other things. That's the American dream, but that's not the gospel dream that Jesus has for your heart. The gospel dream that was in the heart of Paul led him to be imprisoned. Who here has a dream to go to prison someday and suffer greatly for Jesus? But that was the dream that God put inside of his heart. Because the dream that God puts inside of you isn't for your own betterment. You do benefit greatly from obedience to Jesus. But the dream that he puts inside of you is like the dream that was put inside of him. It was a dream to see hell plundered and heaven populated. It was a dream to bring life, salvation, hope, healing, deliverance, freedom to the people of this earth because every single person is created and are image bearers of Jesus. Every single one of us has infinite worth and value. And Jesus came to set us free, to give us life, to restore relationship to him so that we could understand who we truly are. And that's the dream that God's put inside of every one of you. And you can't be afraid to pursue that dream even if it means that you fail from time to time. You know, I'm not scared of failing in the God dream that I've been given. I'm scared of succeeding at the wrong things. I'm scared of spending my life pursuing something that in the end doesn't really matter. I would much rather fail over and over again at the thing that Jesus has called me to than be successful in bettering my own life and having a great retirement and then that's it. I don't want to go to the grave having lived as a wealthy man. Uh, I mean, I'm not opposed to that, like, you know. (laughs) That's a good thing, it's a benefit, it's a blessing, but that can't be the goal of our life. It can't be about us. It has to be about Jesus first and foremost. And if our dream and the life vision that we have is about Jesus, then it means that it's going to be affecting the people who are around us. We're going to lay our lives down to go after everything so that other people can know Jesus and the love that he has and the work that he has done inside of our hearts. That's the dream that God's depositing inside of every single one of our hearts if we're Christians. We have to take hold of that. And if you have, there was probably that moment when you first became a Christian, you were so excited about what God had done inside of you that you wanted to go out and tell everybody about Jesus. And you had this great dream of how God was going to use you to build his kingdom. And you went out there and maybe you took some steps. And if you did that, you probably also met some failure. I remember the first person I told about Jesus and they were all excited and they're like, I want to follow Jesus too. I'm like, this is so easy. Like, I'm going to lead millions of people to Jesus. And then the next 20 were like, Who, I hate you, like go away. And I'm like, oh gosh, failure after failure, rejection after rejection, getting ideas of things that we can do to build the kingdom and going after that. And even more than that was how I'm going to live my life as a follower of Jesus. The holiness call that he'd put on my life. The way I was going to pray, the way I was going to study scripture and go after Jesus. And there were times that I failed at all of that. And if you've ever failed in that dream that God's put inside of your heart, then join the club. Because that's where every single one of us is. Every one of us, when we've attempted to do something great for the kingdom of God, have failed. Every single one of us have fallen down. Every one of us have suffered setbacks along the way. But the call of God is for us to get back up, is to try again, is to press on. We never give up. We never quit. If it's 10,000 times before we lead one person to Jesus, then so be it. It was worth telling 10,000 people about Jesus so that one person can make a decision to follow him. 
But what happens is when you experience failure, Satan will come and he'll speak to you. And he'll tell you that you are a failure. He'll tell you that the idea or the dream that you have is a failure. That it can't be done, it can never be done, especially not by you. And fear will begin to develop inside of you that you cannot succeed at this thing that God has put inside of your heart. This kingdom thing that Jesus has spoken to you, Satan will cause you to become paralyzed with fear so that you won't go after it. The way that Satan stops us from doing the things that we're called to is by causing us to be so afraid that we just quit going after it. And the only way that we ever fail permanently is if we do quit. But if you continue to go on and press in and press on, you are guaranteed to be victorious through Christ Jesus and the thing that he's spoken to you. But fear paralyzes you and it makes you want to quit. And oftentimes we don't recognize that we're dealing with fear in our life. Probably some of you are saying, I don't have a fear of failure. That doesn't ever affect me. It doesn't bother me. That's not something that's even on my radar. But a lot of times, a fear of failure is something that lies dormant inside of your life until the conditions are right. Now, four years ago when I moved here, this is the first time I've ever had a small yard. I went from 80 acres to 0.18 acres. And so I thought, you know what? Now that I don't have a four-acre yard, I'm actually going to attempt to have grass in my yard instead of just mowing down the weeds like we all do in the country. (laughs) And so... Uh, I failed for three years in a row, and then this year, I was like, this is the year I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a good lawn. I'm sick of seeing all my friends' perfect lawns, and I I want that too. And so I planted grass seed, I sprayed weed killer, I did all these other things, and I was like, yes, this is the year. It's going to look so good, and I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, this is perfect. This is going to be the year. I'm even watering it. I'm cheap, but I'm going to water my lawn this year. And then about June, I started seeing like it was really coming in full. I'm like, oh man, now it's looking really good. And then I discovered all that growth that I had was really crabgrass. <laughs> See, what happens is those crabgrass seeds, they will lie dormant in the earth for years. Years and years and years. They are already in your lawn. And when the conditions are right, they will grow, they will spread, they will destroy your lawn, and you'll have nothing but crabgrass like I do now. So next year, I know to put a pre-emergent down. <laughs> but fear of failure works the same way in your life. There was something that you failed at. There was a failure that you were a part of. You saw someone else go through. And there was a seed of a fear of failure that was planted down inside of your heart. And you may not even know it's there, but it's there and it's waiting. And when the conditions become right, it'll start growing and it'll sprout up through the surface. Now, For me, one of the greatest fears that I had to overcome to be able to come here to plant this church was a fear of failure. Ann and I almost didn't come here because we were scared of failing. And the reason for that was because, I think it was about five, six, maybe six years ago now, uh, when I was on staff at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, yeah, it must have been six, seven years ago. Wow, it's been a long time. But what happened was we decided we were going to do a West Side campus in Portage, and we were all excited about it because we wanted to reach more people for Jesus. It was getting too full uh, in the Richland campus. And so we're raising funds, we're getting ready, and I'm the worship leader for that campus. And Ann and I were praying, we thought, we're going to go all in on this. We emptied our savings account so that we could buy more gear and equipment to make a place for people to come and encounter Jesus. And uh, we went there, and we put our hearts, we put our money, we put our, our talents, everything. We went all in. And when we did this, we didn't just empty our savings account, because we thought, hey, here's something we can do with our money. But we heard God speak to our hearts about this. 
And I felt like God made us a promise that if we would give everything that we had, that there would be a certain number of people that he promised me would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And so that's a no-brainer. There is no better exchange of dollars for anything else than dollars for souls. And so we emptied everything. We put our all into this. And about eight months into it, they ended up closing the campus. And I remember when they told me, and I was trying to convince them that it was a bad idea to just keep it open, keep it going, because I felt like God had spoken something to me. I had gone all in on this. We had people that were part of it that were, you know, like the band played every week. The kids' people were there every week. Everybody was completely all in on this. And I thought under Pastor Lee's leadership, who he's, you know, he's one of my heroes of the faith. He's the guy I want to be when I grow up. And I saw how even someone like him could have an idea and it could fail. And I thought that, you know what, it happened, I'm just going to move on. But when it came time for me to plant a church over here, that seed of failure that had been planted in my heart started to spring up. And I looked at it and I thought, here I am again, we're putting our retirement, we're putting our life savings, we're leaving our home, our family, everything else. Like We're all in again because we feel like God has spoken to us. But what if we fail? Because I looked at it and I said, God, I've felt like this before. And I saw what happened. And I said, if even someone like Pastor Lee can fail, then there's no way I can do this. And I remember talking to Anna, because we had people that were going to move over here, be a part of the team. They were leaving everything behind. They were going all in. And if we failed in this, then it affected their lives too. And it affected all the people that were supporting us, all the people who had been praying for us, all the people who had been believing in us. Because ultimately, let me tell you, what the fear of failure is, is that we're not good enough. That's what it comes down to, that we aren't good enough, that we can't do this. We don't have what it takes. And we're afraid that we're going to fail the people who are around us. We're afraid that we're going to disappoint our friends and our family because they'll look at us and they'll see how we failed. We're afraid that we're going to let down God. As we think, God, I'm a, I'm a failure. There was a, something that you called me to and I wasn't good enough. I wasn't able to do it. And now I've disappointed my Heavenly Father. And that fear of failure almost kept us from coming here. And I'm so glad that we didn't let failure stop us. Because we've seen hundreds of people make a decision to follow Jesus. We've seen marriages that are restored. We've seen people that have been healed. We've seen hope that has come. We have seen God do miraculous things. And I almost forfeited all of these great things that I've been able to be a part of and that I've been so blessed by because I was scared that I might fail. And that all came back to a failure that I'd had before in my life that I didn't even recognize I was dealing with. And fortunately, God spoke to me. And that's why it's so important. You need to have prayer time where you're communing with God and not just giving him your prayer list, but you need to be listening to God and what it is that he's speaking to you because he addressed this issue with me. He pointed out this fear that I had been harboring inside of my heart. And he spoke boldness and confidence into me. Because you weren't created by God to be limited by your greatest failures in your greatest shortcomings. You were made to do great works in Christ Jesus. Every single one of us. You are going to have failures. You're going to have attempts that don't succeed the way that you thought they were on the first try, the tenth try, the hundredth try, the thousandth try. But God doesn't define you by your failures, but by his design and his purpose for you. 
God defines you by the reason that he created you. You were created to do great works in Christ Jesus. And because that's what you were designed for, it's what you were made for, you are able to do it. You can't let a fear of failure stop you from all the things that God's calling you to. Now in the book of Joshua, we read the story of how Joshua succeeds Moses in leading the nation of Israel. And this is what it says in Joshua 1, 1 1-9. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' servant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Sorry, comma in the wrong place. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I love how it starts out. God addresses Joshua. There's Joshua, the faithful servant, and then there's Moses. Let me tell you something. If I'm being, I love how God starts out this conversation. We know that Joshua is someone who faithfully served Moses. He was his right-hand man. He was there. And we also know that Joshua loved the presence of the Lord. It says that when Moses would go in to speak to God into the tent of meeting, and then he would leave. It says Joshua would stay outside. He didn't go into the tent, but he just stayed outside and he'd just stay there all night because he just wanted to be in the place where the presence of God was. But if there is someone that I have to follow after in life, I do not want it to be Moses. I want it to be the Antichrist because I'm going to look real good compared to that jerk. But he has to follow Moses. Moses, the one who, just look at his life. He's He's put in a basket, floated down the river, safe. He's the only infant male in all of Egypt that survives. And he's plucked out of the river by the Pharaoh's daughter. Raised in royalty, trained up, given all the great education, all the best that Egypt has to give him. He goes out into the desert and God appears to him in a burning bush and speaks to him. He's the worker of miracles. He goes and God does all of these incredible plagues and signs and wonders to bring freedom to his people in Egypt. He goes to the Red Sea and he puts his staff down and the water split and the entire nation walks through. He receives the Ten Commandments and it says that he talks with God as one man talks to a friend. And after he talked to God, he comes down and his face is glowing because of the presence of God being so strong on him. And then we have Joshua, the servant. That's his title. He hasn't worked a miracle. He's done nothing. He hasn't split the Red Sea. He hasn't heard God talk to him. In fact, the first time he hears God talk to him, he says, Moses is dead. That's the way God starts the conversation. And now you're going to be the one who leads my people. Think about this. God is asking Joshua 
to do the thing that Moses, this great man, could not do. But what were his qualifications? Why would God have chosen him? He wasn't the one. If I was, Moses, if I was Joshua and God told me you're going to lead the people into the promised land, I'd be like, I'm looking for a temp job in Egypt. There is no way that I am going to do this. But God chooses Joshua. He speaks this thing to him. And he speaks to Joshua and he says, be strong and courageous. Three times God says, be strong and courageous. He continues to speak this to him. And the reason for that is because the antidote for fear is strength and courage. If you are feeling afraid of the thing that God's called you to, if you're afraid of failing in the thing that God's called you to, then what God is speaking to you this morning is to be strong and to be courageous. And this is a great thing about strength. You might think, but I'm not strong. Well, yeah, you're not. That's the point. Because strength comes from God in the area of our weakness. It says this in 2 Corinthians 12. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Strength isn't what you already have in you. We look at people and we see strength, and we see strength the way that our culture values it. We see people that are jerks and are rude, and we think that they're strong people or strong personalities. But that's not a godly strength that will enable you to do the things that he's called you to. The strength that you need to accomplish all that God has put in your heart comes only from God, and it comes into the area of your weakness. See, God hasn't called you to be self-sufficient. He's called you to be God-dependent. And it's only when we understand that we, we have to look at ourselves real hard in the mirror and we have to let pride die inside of us to be able to admit, God, I am not strong enough. I am not good enough. I am not smart enough. I do not have what it takes to accomplish the thing that you've called me to. Every time I've tried out of my own strength to do this, I failed over and over and over again. And that becomes an identity for you if we say, I'm not strong enough. I can't do this. I don't have what it takes. It's not inside of me. And that is so true. You don't have what it takes, and that's why God comes into the areas of our weakness, and he brings us our strength. And that's why Paul is able to say, even in these areas of where I am weak, I'm able to boast about them, because those are the areas where I receive supernatural strength from the Heavenly Father, so that I can accomplish everything that he's called me to. Paul was maybe the greatest you know, Christian that's ever lived. Look at what he was able to do. And it wasn't because of his strength. It was because of a life submitted in the area of his weaknesses so that he could be made strong by God. And because of that, he went on to plant churches, disciple people, uh, raise up pastors underneath him, write most of the New Testament. We saw God do amazing things through the life of Paul. But it wasn't because of Paul's own strength. It was because in the areas where he was weak, he was able to say, God, I'm not going to pretend to fool anyone. I'm not going to pretend to have it all together. I'm not going to pretend that I'm strong enough to do what you've called me to. I'm going to admit that I'm flawed, that I'm weak, that I'm broken, that I need you. And one of the biggest knocks about Christianity is they say that it's for the weak. Absolutely. It absolutely is for the weak. We're just the people that have figured out that we're not strong enough on our own. Amen. 
Nobody is. I need Jesus. I am so glad that Jesus came to me a weak and broken vessel and that he didn't despise me in my weakness, but he laid his life down for me so that I could be made strong through him. Amen. And then after this, he goes on to say, not only do you need to be strong, which we find our strength in Jesus, but he says that you have to be courageous. Mm-hmm. And courage is something that comes from awareness of God's presence in our life. Well, my kids, I love it, uh, you know, I think it was maybe when they were two or something, they hit that stage where they get scared of the dark. They've never been scared of it before, and then one day they decide they're scared of the dark. And so they're in a situation that's scary to them, and what is it that they want? More than a nightlight or anything else, what they want is the presence of one of their parents with them in the room. See, it doesn't matter how dark the room is as long as mom or dad's there with them, because the presence of a parent gives them courage, more than any nightlight ever could. And it's the same way for us. We as Christians, it doesn't mean that we aren't going to face some scary situations. It doesn't mean that we're not going to find ourselves in places of where we're in over our heads and where it looks really, really bad. What it means is that we don't have to be scared in those situations because of the presence of God with us that never leaves us, never forsakes us, never abandons us. There is nothing that you will go through in this life where you will have to go it alone without the presence of your Heavenly Father. And you will know heartache, you will know hardship, there will be suffering, there will be loss, there will be grief in this life that you live, but you will never go that road alone. You can be courageous no matter what it is that you face because of the presence of your Heavenly Father with you. And this is what God says to Joshua to stir up courage inside of him. He starts out by saying, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. And so what God's saying is, be confident in your call. When you follow God's call in your life, you're setting foot onto the places that he has called you to. You're setting foot into the areas that he wants to give to you. When you're following your own plan for your life and you're stepping out, you should be supremely unconfident. But when you move into the area that God's called you to, you can do it with boldness, you can do it with courage. It doesn't matter what it is that you see around you because if God has called you to it, he is going to give it to you. All you have to do is to step out in courage. You have to step out in his strength into the places that he's called you to. And then he goes on to say this, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And what God's saying here to him is, you will be opposed, but undefeated. Amen. See, he wasn't walking into a land that was just waiting for them. There were people that were living there that did not want to have the Israelites come in. They had to go and they had to fight. They had people that attacked them in the night. They had people that were trying to kill them, that were trying to wipe them out. They were opposing them at every single turn. When you walk into God's call in your life, it doesn't mean that you're not going to face any opposition. You will absolutely face opposition in moving into God's call in your life. But you will be undefeated. Because God's the one who will ultimately go before you and he will fight the battle for you. He will win the victory for you. You just have to walk into it and you have to be able to have enough strength from God and enough courage that comes from... Did I say that like the lion from the Wizard of Oz? (laughs) Courage. Sorry, <laughs> just hit me as I said that. We're all influenced by media. That I have no idea where I'm going now. 
We have to have enough courage inside of our hearts that when people come and they oppose us and when things look down, that we don't become scared of failure or think that God's abandoned us. We know that our Heavenly Father is with us. We know that as we move into the place that he's called us to, that he's fighting the battles for us and there is none that can stand against our God. So when people oppose you, don't be scared of them. You go to your father in prayer. What happens when you were a kid and someone was bullying you on the playground? You went and told dad. And that's a lot better than trying to fight it yourself. You go to your heavenly father and you remind him that he's called you to this area and you tell him how this person or this situation, this circumstance is opposing you. And then you walk confidently knowing that you're walking in the shadow of your father who goes before you. You will be opposed. Never let that opposition cause your courage to diminish. Never let it cause fear to strike your heart. Even when it looks like you're failing, you keep going. You keep getting up. You keep trying again and again and again and over and over and over again. And eventually that enemy that set itself up opposed to you and God's call on your life will fall. And then he says, Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So what God's saying is your success depends upon your obedience. Success is determined by our obedience to the holy call that every one of us has on our life. We see people all the time, they have just incredible gifting. You look at them and you say, wow, they have such a gifting from God in speaking or leading worship or in connecting with people, whatever else it is that we see. We see people with incredible ministries because of their giftedness, but they aren't obedient to the call for holiness on every one of our lives. And what happens to them? Ultimately, they fail. And that platform that they had crumbles. And they're unable to walk into the fullness of what God had called them to because they weren't obedient to the call of God on our lives to be holy, to be pure, to live as a set-apart people. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. It doesn't matter how incredible the call of God is on you. If you refuse to be obedient to Jesus, you will never be able to walk into all that it is that he has for you. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and see some area where I refuse to submit myself to Jesus and his holy call and see how much I sacrificed of what he had for me. To see how many people that I would have reached with the good news of Jesus had I just submitted myself and become obedient to him. And I don't want to walk without the blessing and the presence of God in my life because I'm not obedient to him. More than your gifting, more than anything else, your obedience to God is what's going to allow you to be successful. God says, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to go before you, I'm going to defeat all of the enemies for you, you're going to have all the land you step foot on. But the linchpin, what this all is hanging on is our obedience to God. That's what's going to make us successful. We can be courageous in this life. We don't have to live 
with fear of failure that chains us and keeps us from going after everything God's called us to. Once again, that's his kingdom dream for you. That's not your dream, but the thing that God has put on your heart to bless other people, to make his name famous. You can be successful in that if you'll just throw off this fear of failure. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Allow his presence to stir up courage inside of your heart and submit yourself in obedience to his call on you. So as we end today, what are you scared of failing at? I think all of us have something. What are you scared of failing at? Is that that thing that God's called you to, but you've just become fearful? And what would you do if you knew success was guaranteed? What would you need to change in your life to become obedient to God? I mean, those are the questions we need to come before God this morning and, and ask him about. And I'm reminded, too, of the story of Peter. And I love this because it shows the heart of Jesus so well in this. Is that they're in the midst of the storm and Jesus comes walking out on the water. And they see him, they think he's a ghost, and he's like, no, it's me, it's Jesus. And Peter says, if it's really you, then have me come out to you on the water. So Jesus says, come on out. And Peter steps out of that boat into the midst of the stormy waves of the sea to defy the natural law, something that he doesn't have inside of him. None of us can walk on water. That's not in us. That takes the supernatural power of God. But as he steps into the supernatural thing that God's called him to, he begins to do it. And then fear overcomes him, and he begins to sink. And he cries out to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, yeah, right, save yourself. He doesn't pull him up and then rebuke him and get on his case about it. He extends the hand and he pulls him back up. Because when you're going after what God's called you to, even if you stumble, even if you fall, even if you fail, even if your faith diminishes and fear increases in your life, God doesn't condemn you for that. He extends the hand to you to pull you back up so that you can try again, so that you can continue on what it is that God's called you to. That's the heart of God this morning. Let's just take a moment. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us. Father, we believe that you speak to our hearts. This morning, would you speak to us about that thing that we've been scared of failing at? God, about that thing we need to become obedient to you in. Father, would you strengthen us in the areas of our weakness? Father, would you extend your hand to pull us back up in the areas where we failed? And this morning, maybe there needs to be some repentance in your life. If you know that you've given up on something God's called you to and you need to go back after that again, you need to conquer that fear. Or maybe it's that you haven't been living the way that God's called you to or you've been living far distant from God. Well, this morning, he's extending the hand to you. Not to condemn you or to bring you shame, but to pull you back up, to give you new life, to give you strength, to give you courage. This morning, if that's you, then respond to him. 
And if it's that you've been distant from God, maybe you've never made a decision to follow him or maybe you've been walking apart from him. And this morning you just come back and you say, Father, forgive me. Thank you for that love that you have for me. Send me new life this morning. God, I surrender my life to you, all of my wills, all my desires, the plan that I had. God, everything, I surrender it to you. And I want your plan for my life. I want your dream. I want your desires inside of my heart. Jesus, send me the Holy Spirit to strengthen me to live in a new way, in the way that you've called me to. God, would you give me the ability to hear your voice when you speak to me? Would you surround me with others that would encourage me? God, would you speak to me this moment in a way that I will never be able to deny so that I can know that what you've done in my life is real? From this day forward, I'm following you with everything that's inside of me. Though I may fail again and again and again, by your strength I'll get up and by your courage I will continue to press on. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord this morning and allow him to speak to our hearts.